0: Hello and welcome to The Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osanenko. My day job is a CEO of Four and Half, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. So our topic today is um, business process outsourcing for modern property management companies, and I have a guest to help me explore the topic, and um, he's called Todd Breen. Um, Todd is a personal colleague and friend of mine for years, and. Todd has a wealth of experience in a in, in, in couple areas. Number one is Todd's been running his property management company called Home Property Management Todd. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. For 30 years. So he has the broker and business building experience from a perspective of property manager, property management company. And then his other venture is also very exciting. It's, uh, it's called Virtually Incredible where Todd does some video tours, training, a lot of speaking in different countries, uh, international speaking. And he also does business process outsourcing. Is that correct, Todd?
1: Yeah, we've uh, we've rolled out two new versions of outsourcing the last two years, and it's kept us busy.
0: Very interesting. So Todd has the wealth of knowledge in terms of um, you know the applicable knowledge on how outsourcing helps grow property management companies. So my question, let's start right out of the gate. Let's let's hit the let's hit the hard question out of the park. Um, and the hard question is. Todd, in, in the realm of property management, who is outsourcing for? How how would people know they're a good prospect for potentially saving money and building their business by
1: outsourcing? So, you know, I get asked a lot that question, and I'm glad we started with that one because that really is the heart of the question about outsourcing is, should I outsource, and, and if I should, what should I outsource? And so the first thing that I like to do is I, I, I put a little scale up for the people, and I say, over here we got the control freaks that micromanage every process of their business and on this side we have the people who are just seat of the pants trying to get the job done, they don't have any processes or systems in place and where are you on that spectrum and, and as soon as somebody says well I'm, I'm closer to this side or I'm closer to that side, I can give them a whole bunch of insights on what it's going to be like. To, to begin outsourcing. So, for instance, if, if somebody has a really tightly run operation with lots of systems, lots of processes, and they're control freaks, they watch how they get everything done, those people uh, can be really good outsourcers provided they devote a lot of time and attention to learning the cultural differences in the Philippines, for instance, where we outsource, or India, or wherever you're going to outsource, just have a little bit more learning to do to be able to to adapt to that culture. But half the battle's done because you've already got your systems and your processes, and your training. So bringing somebody in from across the world is not that big a deal because they work virtually. So, but then you got people over here that are no systems, no processes. They're winging it, and 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 should they outsource? And I say, you know. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta learn to let somebody else do the uh, outsourcing for you as an intermediary. So, the more systemized your business is, the more you can go and hire your own virtual assistants. The less systemized you are, the more you should probably hire somebody to outsource for you. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. So on the on the on the one side of the spectrum, a business who is tightly run, operated with systems and management practices in place who's been around for a while, I would say something like your business, right? I mean, 30 years, right? You probably had time to lock down some processes. Also, some younger businesses are coming at it from the systems perspective. And those guys can uh, essentially uh, uh, hire talent overseas for a lot less money to complete the tasks they already have in place and being completed by someone who's more expensive. And their more expensive talent can spend more time on value add tasks rather than menial you know data entry stuff right that's one spectrum the other side of the spectrum folks who have no systems and for those they need a bit more higher level help in terms of a systemizing b executing did i understand you
1: yeah it and and so the people who come to me and say man I'm I don't have any systems and that it also goes to the size of the business because uh, Alex, you and I are both in the in the business of supporting property management companies, and right. we know that the larger the business is, the more likely they are to have proven <laughs> systems in place. And so, you know, when I see the, the the company that has 150 doors or fewer, usually those are people that are entrepreneurial, and they're relatively newer to the uh, to the process, and they're the ones that are struggling to put together all their systems. So so a turnkey operator, man, that, that's some of our best clients at Virtually Incredible is the people in the 250 and less because they're, they're thankful not only for the affordable help but because we systemize processes in their business ah, that they didn't know how to
0: do. It's very interesting. I didn't realize this. So essentially BPO companies, business process outsourcing, for uh, just to interpret that acronym, are everywhere and you can buy their services you know across the board for any business the advantage of doing a property management specific or working with a property management specific company like virtually incredible right is the ability not only to do the actual you know data entry and the work pcr reports or whatever we'll th- we'll cover that in a moment but also help you systemize and get to the point to how to do things efficiently securely you know properly with deliverables and so an entrepreneur can rely on a company like yours, right, to to help them systemize and execute.
1: That's that's what happens. Right. Uh, it's it's such an aha moment whenever we do a presentation to a smaller operator, business operator, because they're they're so thankful. They thought they were getting labor help, but they realize the labor help comes with a built-in system, and they're like, oh, damn, that's better than anything we've done. And they just, where do I sign? And it works. And then as we go in the 250 to 500 uh, size companies those those companies have already struggled to put in some of their own systems or they wouldn't be that size and so now it comes down to okay which system is better yours or mine it comes down to will my staff respond well to outsourcing you get in the smaller businesses everyone's like Man, thank God you're here, right? Yeah. You get into They're the medium hats, size hats. business.
0: You take two of them off, their life becomes a little bit more quality. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. They just love us, right? And so you get into the medium size and now it's like you gotta elbow your room way into the room with the existing staff and there's turf and there's you know, some people oh, that's not how we've always done it. And so yet yeah, you start finding out about the uh The politics of the business and and the turf and who wants things a certain way, and so there's a dynamic about uh, bringing outsourcing to a medium-sized business that's a little bit artful. A lot of times we'll get business owners saying, "All of us want to do it, but our office manager she hates outsourcing. You know, she thinks it's wrong, or you know, and so you know we have that to overcome. And of course. Uh, you know, I'm Canadian so, and and I live in Florida, and sometimes I laugh. I'm Canadian, I live in Florida. I'm married to a Filipina. Uh, you know, I'm about the most international guy I know, but then there's some people who are like, yeah, I don't I don't know if I like outsourcing. So we there's run into that sometimes.
0: There's definitely negative connotations to the whole to the whole uh, business or the whole you know uh, part of uh, outsourcing, which you know you and I may or may not get in. I, I, I think people have some preconceived notions. Without necessarily understanding what the true, you know, the true thing is in reality, but um, let's let's step aside from that because I I think there's there's what I'm curious about. I think there's a lot of questions about what you do, and now that I have you captured here for a little bit, let's explore the ROI. I you know the return on investment, and 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 after that, I want to get into specific tasks or specific processes that you feel are best suited for the outsourcing, for the the modern property manager. But let's talk about ROI. You mentioned something, I wanna question you on it, if you don't mind. Sure. You said that a high-end customer or a high-end property management company has to learn a little bit about the different culture to be able to build in the processes. What do you see usually, the amount of outsourcing that they need to do for them to get a good return on investment with all that time invested in learning the culture, learning their the way they work, and and you know time zone differences and all those things.
1: Yeah. So you know when I when I talk to somebody with uh, seven hundred or a thousand doors, I'll talk to the business owner frankly, and I'll say, "So are we a stepping stone, or do you see us being a permanent solution for you?" Because at a thousand or two thousand doors. You're an ideal candidate to learn to outsource yourself if you're so inclined. And so, you know, for instance, in the Philippines, you're allowed to hire somebody to work as an independent contractor for you. uh, And they can work that way for you for one year legally. Mm -hmm. Beyond one year, if you don't employ them and make them an employee, Uh, then that's actually not fully compliant with Philippine uh, labor laws and of course we all want to be fully compliant in any country that we're in whether it's the host country or uh, or the the country where the labor is and so you know there's some there's some steps that have to be taken to make a permanent outsourcing solution work in our business and and it may mean setting up a Philippine company uh, or Indian or any other country that you outsource. So it's important that you learn not only the labor laws, but also the taxation laws. Like for instance, when we were starting this, we had to learn, okay, if we pay a foreign worker in US dollars, the the US government requires us to do some withholding and make the foreign worker apply for a social security number to actually get the the money we withhold from them. But if you pay the foreign worker in their local currency, that doesn't apply. And so if you learn some of the tricks, um, you're a better candidate to do it yourself. Personally, uh, if you're a small or medium-sized business, I say try and get other people to do it for you. Work on building your business. And then circle back when you're large enough to say, how could we take this over and increase our ROI? And that speaks to your question, I think.
0: So, okay. I, I, I think, yeah, this is this is a great, uh, uh, this is a great answer, but I, I wanted to understand a little bit more from your experience from Virtually Credible specifically. So let's go back to that 700. So I'm an uh, owner of a 700 unit company, and I come to you and say, Todd, I have processes down. I have my systems that are humming. I got great people. We're growing. I I need I need to scale. Todd, what can I give you in terms of processes, and what can I expect in terms of ROI by using you know a company like yours?
1: Right. So, um, the, the ROI is is probably it depends on what your business structure is. So, if you've got excess square footage at your business um, and you know you could add another five staff or ten staff under your current square footage and it wouldn't bother you then you're not necessarily gonna save in uh, traditional overhead costs by by outsourcing because you've already paid for your monthly rent check or your mortgage for your business. When I talk to a business owner and I say how crowded is your office right now and they say man we're busting at the seams I say you're going to love outsourcing because you're going to get back space and be able to maybe double the number of doors you manage in the same space because you're outsourcing your labor and you don't need to provide the, you know, the, the, the square footage for them. So the ROI comes in overhead like that, the actual overhead. The ROI that comes in peace of mind is amazing because like right now at my uh, local property management company, my office manager and bookkeeper who's been with me 16 years, is on a sailboat in the Bahamas for the month of uh, June, the whole month. Mm. And um, the person I had lined up to cover for had to cancel. So guess who's uh, uh, the office manager and bookkeeper this month?
0: Right. <laughs> well, well, you, <laughs> you know? well, that, that, that got to interrupt your fishing uh, expedition, didn't it? <laughs> Just biting into your golf time? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, but I got you right. You got to step in, right?
1: Yeah, and so, uh, you know, if, if you have staff, you have problems, all right? And that's just the nature of a business. The more staff you have, the more potential problems you have. Outsourcing your staff, your ROI comes in clearing your de- your your mind and your calendar because you know you shouldn't have to worry about those functions because another business is going to take care of all those problems for staffing. That's a huge ROI, all right? And then there's the obvious ROI, which is um, you're in California. What do you think is the average hourly labor price that you pay somebody to work in California in a management company?
0: Well, we're in San Francisco, or Bay Area, different. But yeah, 22 would be, you know, if you want to some, have somebody and retain somebody and, and not have a, you know, the, the, the changeover and dealing with retraining, because that cost adds up quickly, you know, you got to start them at like, you know, 45K a minimum a year, right?
1: Right. And so, you know, when you look at what you pay US based or local staff, um, the, the price adds up by the time you add up all their vacation and this and that and, and their benefit packages yeah. and where you are in, in the country. And so, you know, uh, uh, you can hire quality people in the Philippines for three dollars an hour if you do it directly. Uh, you know, quality people, three bucks an hour to work from their homes. And so, you know, that's a great starting point. And and we have close to 100 people working from their homes for us in the Philippines, um, which allows us to pass on a low cost to our customers, because we don't have traditional overhead in the Philippines either. So we're actually outsourcing a home-based model, which is passing a huge savings along to our customers. So that's another ROI is is just that uh, you know, for instance, with our leasing line service, where we answer the leasing lines, uh, we had one customer in in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, had one commission leasing agent quit, and they they were earning about five grand a month, which is normal for a real estate agent, right? Um, when they came to us, they had thirty to thirty-five listings on their list on any given month, and it cost them five grand a month to staff their leasing department for 40 or 45 hours a week mm-hmm. with us they got their calls answered 80 hours a week and their our bill to them is around 1500 to 2000 a month and so they got double the efficiency at a fraction like a third of the price uh, a third to half the price and then what's really interesting Alex is that um that one person could only handle one phone call at a time. And so when our company took over, we could expand to answer that leasing line of theirs. If there was three simultaneous calls, we got it, you know? And so their list went from 30 to 35, down to around 15 on average. And then they had us answering their email inquiries, because so many people, you know, they don't call businesses anymore, they just send a contact us form and we were replying to the contact us forms for them added another 1000 bucks to their bill but their vacancy list went to 5 or 6 or 7 because we were working the we were killing the leads so, and so that's an ROI in my opinion because in addition to saving money they're picking up what an extra month's rent off of you know the difference between 35 on your list and 5 on your list is an extra month's rent on your portfolio you know
0: Gotcha. Makes sense. So three main kind of, a, I guess, ROI areas, you know, one being the delta between the, – the the simplest one to think about would be the delta between the cost of talent here and the cost mm-hmm. of talent over there because, you know, as you say, the EO, that, that could be a 70% off, right, the price of a, a comparable person in terms of, you know, their abilities. So that's one the second is the, is the is is also the, the the actual volume so in other words, instead of replacing that one person, you have a team right a team of people who mm-hmm. can handle things uh, who can handle a specific business process um, so a little bit of a scalability there and also the you know the the ROI on a peace of mind and, and it's just basically you got uh you know you don't have to worry about um. People taking vacations, people leaving, people getting sick, uh, uh, you know, all kind of claims against your company, all that stuff. I, I, I got you. So the advantages are huge, uh, you know, definitely, definitely. It's, it's mind-boggling, to be honest with you. But let's talk about some of the potential pitfalls. Where do you see people fall down and not succeed?
1: So um – there's, there's a do-it-yourself attitude that prevails amongst entrepreneurs. And I'm sure you see this, Alex. People are like, what do I need you for? I can do that myself. But then they get so busy that uh, they don't do it or they don't do it as well as it could or should be done. And so I call that the, uh, the, the, the penny-wise-dollar-foolish approach because uh, a lot of people have that do-it-yourself and it's either a combination of the do-it-yourself or it's the control freak. So the pitfalls are that um, people will try and hire people in the Philippines. Like I had to learn the hard way what to say and what not to say to to Philippine staff because the Asian culture is all about saving face. And if someone makes a mistake in in America, you can say, "Hey, buddy, you screwed up." You know, we get you know, and 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 we're, we're a little tougher skinned, is that fair to say? It's
0: fair to say, it's fair to say.
1: If you said that in front of somebody over there, they'd lose face, and they might just not show up at work the next day, and you'd be like, huh, I wonder what happened, and it was because you didn't even know that you embarrassed them in front of their peers, or you just embarrassed them, uh, period, and you can't do that. So if you don't learn the culture, um, well, I have people who say, I tried, Todd, and you know, I hired a person and it didn't work out, boom. And I'm like, well, you know, that <laughs> you tried to do it yourself. That's why I say to people, I really think that outsourcing should be a tool for the small to medium-sized companies to use to become larger companies. And when you are a larger company, you should start looking at, hey, could we do this ourselves and, and, and even save more money or get better control of our processes? So that's, an that's interesting a pick- point. You mentioned because people tell
0: me all the time you know you and i provide services to property management companies but you know people tell me i've tried marketing on that specific market but i've tried google adwords they don't work well (laughs) you know that that is that is quite an interesting statement because google is a trillion dollar company you know and 80 percent of their revenue coming from adwords you know so and, and there are tons of property management companies making a lot of good return on adwords it doesn't work for you for many different reasons so, I think that's a very kind of wise uh, uh, moment of yeah, truth right you know, there.
1: Uh, and I'll, speak, I'll speak to that because um, I actually did my own AdWords account starting in 2001 and at the time, I learned a lot about it. There was hardly any competition. I think I was paying 50 cents a click if that tells you anything.
0: That, yeah, that is a giveaway, man. So, so you pay like $3 per management contract?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I, and I managed that myself and it was wildly successful. And then around 2005 and 2006, um, I noticed that I wasn't getting the same ROI and I wasn't really putting my head into my AdWords campaign. So I just shut it off and, and and put it down to like a budget of 100 bucks. And I'm talking with your firm now about firing it back up for me because I realized there's one thing that I know and it's property management. And I don't want to learn AdWords, I really don't. I I know enough about it to know that if you're not on top of it and monitoring it and really doing a good job and staying educated, it's not going to work. So that you know, I, I get what you're saying. Exactly. And uh, you know, jack of all trades and master of none does not work as well as it used to in this industry and in this technology that we're in. This is an interesting point
0: you bring up. So we'll come back to some of the pitfalls we got because I think you have at least another one to cover. Um, but I found myself growing up, you know, with the business. You growing the business initially. I wanted to touch everything and do everything. I was one of the people that you just said, you know, penny wise dollar. But I didn't have a dollar. I was penny wise because <laughs> I didn't have a dollar. You know what I mean? You remember that yeah. time? Yeah, you know, I actually, do. Yeah, you don't have a dollar. You're penny wise because <laughs> you have no dollar to spare. But then, yeah. then you gotta be able to trust your st- staff, trust your vendors, and you know, hold them to a standard right hold them to a standard but don't set it and forget it set it and forget it you know to to, two big i think there's two uh biggest pitfalls for any small business any business you know it's it's the two extremes right one of them is the absolute control freak i do it all i'm gonna learn it i i know how to do it i'm gonna take i'm just gonna take adwords certification i'm gonna learn adwords and i'm gonna do it myself but the opportunity cost is tremendous like that time that you're learning AdWords, you could be hiring people, you could be training, you could be giving back to your community, you could be, you know, you could become an expert, you can do videos. I mean, you and I can spend hours on just the opportunities alone of that six hours spent getting AdWords training, which ain't going to do nothing because AdWords is like a university of its own. It's just very, very complex. And and, and so, so that's that. The other side of the extreme, I, I people make mistakes, is I'm a uh, an absentee owner, kind of a thing, right? So, I, you know, I know you do a lot of fishing, you do a lot of golfing, but you're also a very shrewd businessman. And you know when to put your time and when to, you know, when to kind of push, when to pull. Some people just kind of expect everything to happen for them. So, you know, they'll do this and that, but they won't put any effort into developing the relationship, and and, and that's a mistake too. So, I think those are the two biggest pitfalls for any business and then somewhere in the middle between those two, fluctuation between the two is is where the success is located. What do you think, Todd?
1: I agree, and you know, uh, when we get the business owner that hires us and says, here, take this mess and you do it, I'm always wondering how well or how long we're gonna work together with that business owner because, because if they don't have a little bit more care and concern in how they turn things over to us, uh, what else is happening at their business that I don't know about? And so I always uh, make it a point in our calendar. We have people that reach out, touch the staff, say, hey, how are things going? What can we do to, uh, to bring your bill down? Because we don't want to have our outsourcing bill with anybody be any higher than it has to be. So we're always looking for ways to reduce that cost. And sometimes the set it and forget forget it people lose an opportunity to to maybe shave ten or twenty percent off their bill by staying a little bit more actively involved, and you know that's that's the customer that I know cares and that we're going to have long term is the one that actually follows up occasionally. You know.
0: Yep. Agreed. And you know, and I'm the same way. We have lots of vendors we use, and we pay thousands of dollars to people like Unbounds and Reputation.com and and and, and I, you know i understand it's so tempting to, when we originally just set it up it's so tempting for me just to shift my focus elsewhere cuz that's like done let's just check market it, it's done they're taking care of it in reality if you have people on your staff that are responsible for those vendor relationships that are constantly talking that's fine but if you don't who's going to do it for you who i mean next time reputation.com decides to raise prices and not to tell me or to change their yeah. plugin and affects all my customers. You know, yeah, you, you got to keep. So there's this balance of of maintaining existing relationships while building your business. And i think I think vendor relationships. I would think looking back at four and a half, vendor relationships are key building blocks of our company. Don't you agree?
1: No, yeah. uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, Alex. I uh, you know I grew our company from zero doors when I was 21 years old. All right, and so. I, uh, you know, I've been around doing this for 30 years, and when I look at people trying to grow a business now, uh, I look at all the resources they had that we didn't have back in the day, and I say, "Wow, what a what a great opportunity!" And I see a lot of people really leveraging, you know, like you can go get uh, software as a service now that's turnkey and so powerful. Uh, you can get a website uh, from a, an expert and you don't have to figure out any of that stuff yourself. I mean there's a lot of great vendors available in the NARPOM community. Um, the one thing that I'm surprised with and this is a huge message for everyone who's listening, is look at the amount of resources your company spends answering your leasing calls. Usually when I go into a business and say hey look at your uh, phone calls, the number of calls your business gets per month. Can you pull up on your Void phone system and and run that report? And they will. And I'll say, do you have a dedicated leasing line? Some do, some don't. Uh, The ones that do, typically we find out that 70% of the calls to their business are leasing calls. And so I'm like, wow, how do you grow a business with the phone just doing this all the time? Well,
0: may I insert a point here? One of the biggest reasons our customers don't succeed as much as they should be succeeding is their inability to get to the business phone, to the owner call. Guess what those owner calls are being mixed up with, right? The lease yeah, calls. Yeah, exactly. So so if you had a red phone that only owners called, wouldn't you be like, you'll carry it with you everywhere? to be right next to your bed? Of course you would, but you can't do that. So, yeah, go ahead. I I, I apologize for interrupting. I just can't relate to that. I
1: mean... <laughs> If I, were, if I were trying to grow a business, and I know that that's what four and a half is all about. That's why I'm speaking to your audience on this. Uh, the, the Outsourcing leasing calls would be a number one priority. And then repurposing all of my staff resources that I had towards growing the business instead of answering leasing calls. Because the second thing that I do with a, a business owner is I say, okay, let's see. 70% of your calls were on your leasing. And let's say that was 700 calls. I'm just giving you an example, right? 700 calls, great. How many leases did you write that month? And they'll go and look and they'll say, well, we average about five or seven leases a month. And I'll say, so one out of 100 calls makes you money on your leasing lines. And 99 out of 100, you you didn't make any money, but you're still answering those while you're not getting to your your owners. and see when when we get a prospective new owner calling us we have people at our company that call that prospective new owner as many as 10 or 12 times until they either sign with us sign with you somebody else or tell, stop to. calling yeah right and most business owners that own a management company they'll take an inbound call for new management they'll they'll answer questions they'll hang up and they'll never follow up with that uh, prospect while they're still answering uh, 700 calls a month that they're not going to make any money from. And it's that imbalance that is keeping them where they are, small, disorganized. So getting rid of the, your uh, and outsourcing your leasing calls is one of the best things you can do so you can focus on growing a business.
0: That is a really cool action. So you and I should probably think about it because we have now, we deploy Lead Simple, which is the CRM for managing the sales process for the owners, for all of our products, uh, all, all of our uh, Sorry, I lost, I lost the word here. All of our packages have lead simple built in because we, mm. we find that leads are usually a perceived problem. There's enough leads, but you're right. They're not being followed up on. They're not being dealt with like it's the, like the $10,000 lifetime revenue value that they are, right? So if you don't call back that owner, it's like, ah, it's a, he's a looker or, or no, his house is not ready. It's gonna be ready in three months. Well, hell, you can put it on your pipeline and know that you have a potential deal coming in in three months. On to the next one and make sure you follow up and all that stuff. So, you're absolutely right. I, you know, but as a small business, you have to pick your battles. I'm just surprised. I'm totally surprised. Absolutely. I would never guess this was a problem. Dealing with new business is the biggest problem I see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is, to, you're right, if they, if, if, if they pick up the phone, they'll probably close the deal. If they're unable to close the deal, no one does anything with that lead moving forward. It's, it's just garbage.
1: And, and, and somebody who follows up with them and does a traditional marketing campaign is going to close them. Absolutely. And the same, same thing happens on the leasing lines. The, the, we, we will mystery shop any company's leasing lines and the results? Are really eye-opening, Alex, because we get people answering the phone and and they're busy and they're distracted and they don't even want to answer questions. Or we get voicemail fifty percent of the time when we call businesses. Voicemail does not rent houses. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's very intriguing for me to to see how businesses are running themselves. And, and if I could tell any business anything, it's get rid of the stuff that doesn't make you money and focus on the stuff that does you called it a $10,000 nrt is buying management companies right now for 4 and $5,000 a unit so i don't know what the lifetime value is of each new account you sign up but the resale value of each new account is 4 to $5,000 alex it's yep. pretty funny yep. Yep. you know so, so i that, mean that's the phone call that you put on hold <laughs> yeah, or or you're too busy answering three leasing calls to take your new management lead. You know
0: that is interesting. We're solving the same. That's, I, I didn't know that. We just came. I, I just came to this conclusion in this conversation. We're solving the same problem from a different from a different angle. Yeah, I, I independently have identified and have a solution for both increasing the owner calls and paying more attention to them, and reducing the distractions and getting better quality leasing. Right. That's what I'm assuming you guys do. Is the virtually credible Is that you? You uh, you provide a better quality experience for the potential lessee, right? So you yes. can rent that house faster. Okay. Yeah,
1: and you know, people ask me, could you uh, answer my new management calls? And I say, no, mm-hmm. that's your job. I don't want to do that in the Philippines nor does your potential new customer want to talk to somebody outside of your business. They want to talk to someone knowledgeable and skilled and the best thing you can do is get rid of all those other annoying calls that aren't going to make you any money because I really and truly guys do that study at your business and you'll find one out of 50 or one out of 100 calls is monetized with the lease, the rest of them you're not making any money. And so get rid of them and focus on you doing a bang up job and putting leads simple into place and working the leads like it's your job and you'll grow your company and have an asset you can be proud of that grows in value. You know, you think about it, 5,000 a door, if you add 100 new doors, your net worth went up a half a million dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of money, that is right? A lot of
0: money. And it's very, very reasonable to expect for a 500-unit company with proper marketing and without a huge spend to add that 100 doors every year. because
1: yeah, their momentum they... will give them
0: 20, 30. Yeah. And then, and if you, and then just being that much better in the sales process, I think another 20, 30. And then right. add the marketing layer, and that's another 50 for you, and you're, you're, you're you know, you're half a million dollars richer every year that is quite well while taking a paycheck
1: yeah Mm. yeah and Mm. and you know uh, speaking about outsourcing I made some choices at my business to take the biggest issues that I didn't like and outsource them so I don't outsource a lot of things at my business there are other companies that will outsource individual processes like if you want your leases entered after the tenant signs up or you want your renewal notices sent out. You know you've got your Planet Synergies, your HQ Virtual Use, great companies, um, and you've got other companies that will answer your repair lines and and all great stuff. I just focused on seventy percent of your phone calls to your business. Let's get rid of those, right? Right. No, and no you know what I'm saying. And let's let's just once the hammer stops hitting you on the head you can start start actually smelling the roses and say how do I grow this thing you know and and that's uh, that's been the fun part of helping people over the last year with that service we also do some tenant screening and I'll tell you can I tell you why I wanted to outsource tenant screening Yep. compliance with federal regulations uniformity and being able to sleep at night knowing that as the broker Every tenant that applies gets handled uniformly the same way yeah, because that's
0: a big my deal, the the the, the oh my housing God. laws are are quite clear and the reason why owners hire you the property manager is so they don't have to deal with that headache but you know yeah. if you get yourself sued and them sued by default you know you're gonna lose your business isn't that right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And none of us can even afford uh, having somebody come and check us twice for fair housing. We want to pass the first uh, examination with flying colors, which means you have all your systems in place. And see, systems are what keep you in compliance. No systems, no no routine compliance. And you'd be surprised how many small, again, the small to medium-sized people that aren't routinely doing every application the same way and leaving themselves open for a fair housing dispute or investigation that would just uh, not end well, and that that you know I had four I have four wonderful highly trained property managers that are busy, and for them to do the same thing consistently is a challenge. Especially, hang on a second. Sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, especially, <laughs> it's a challenge, especially when you know. It's peak time of the week or month or year and and they're just slammed and they have like six applications that that everybody wants to know and answer right away and they they take shortcuts just to get the job done. Well, those shortcuts are what leave you open for uh, potential risk with compliance. and So, so you know, those are the two major departments that I decided to outsource at my company. And then anything that was outsourced successfully, there I just scale it for other property managers, which has been kind of fun.
0: Gotcha. And yeah, you know, I, I admire you and your success. And I, I, you know, I think we're a bit of our out of time here. So I would uh, really love to have you here again, uh, speaking on maybe another topic. Maybe we'll see what kind of questions we'll get off of this podcast, and maybe we'll have to uh, do a Q and A after this and in the future episode. Todd, thank you kindly for your time. It was a pleasure. And I will see you at one of the conferences very soon, I hope.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, Alex, and to everyone Listen, man. Uh, keep the faith and have a great time.
0: Thank you.